Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And well, Kate, have you heard about our great indoors insiders and all the many benefits? (laughs) I've got to say I have, but why not share with our listeners? Well, (laughs) if you become a member of The Great Indoors, you can enjoy ad-free listening extra bonus episode some exclusive interviews and a bumper weekly newsletter which has all the links that you could want as well as extra shopping tips inside news and exclusive live webinars so that's right for less than a quid a week you can show your love and support for the show and we promise you that we're going to put your hard-earned subscription towards improving the podcast, creating more content and, well, generally nurturing our lovely community. That's right. And you also get priority on any interior design dilemmas you send in for our monthly style surgery, which is handy, as that's what we're doing today. Simply visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com. And it's always a packed show, so let's get straight into it. What do we have coming up this week? Well, first up, Jennifer, who has sneakily packed several questions into one email, but they touch on things that might affect us all, so let's dive in. Jennifer says, Oh, how I love this podcast. Already good. My absolute go-to for inspo while I'm cooking, and it generally cheers up my day. And I'm so pleased that although I found it After my renovation, I feel I have made some good design choices. However, I am suddenly stuck finishing bits off. I love a mix of colour and neutrals, but have played so safe with my new renovation. I'm planning on painting my guest bedroom ceiling a Dijon mustard. Will that work? The other guest room is a gorgeous dusky blue on the wardrobes I had made. But do I do the walls coral or pottery or even the same as the wardrobes? I'm going to make a headboard in some orange material. Another dilemma is the bathroom. Very plain, beautiful and tranquil. However, what art do I use to finish the space? I had the panelling especially built with a wider shelf so I could put art on it, but now I don't know what to put on there. I saw this in a magazine and loved the idea. So do I keep it dreamy and fresh and all white with just plants and black and white line art? Or do I throw in some modern bright art to give colour and trendy vibes? I want to find some better black and white prints as this is what everyone does and I don't want to be the same. I don't want a boring home and at the moment it is beautiful but it's so safe and I don't want it to be like a Mrs Hinch cream house. Sorry, Mrs Hinch. Oh, there's a lot in there. So we're going to start first with a bit of guest bedroom colour combination, a little bit of bathroom. So, Sophie... Let's go. I'm sure you'd love the idea of a mustard yellow ceiling. I think this is a great question because it's quite typical, I think, from um, a point of view of someone who's done a full renovation. It can end up feeling like it just hasn't quite got over the line. So, you know, you've obviously had some nice joinery done. You've had everything decorated. You've had a new bathroom put in. In your own words, it's all very tasteful and beautiful, but a bit boring oh she did not say that (laughs) Sophie Robinson she did she did she said I don't want a boring home and at the moment it's beautiful but safe so yeah and what's really nice Jennifer is you seem really up for it which I'm always pleased to see and you're up for being quite playful so I'm quite keen to get my teeth stuck into your bathroom decor but Kate's making me talk about the stuff at the top first which is painting a guest bedroom ceiling Dijon 
will that work? I feel like I need a bit of context. I mean, what's this going with? I mean, I think, Jennifer, you're, I'm getting the feeling like you're like an excited kid in the candy store and you don't know which sweets to pull off out of which jar. I feel like you need a bit more of a plan than just picking a random shade of yellow for a ceiling. I think I, I feel like I'd need to know more. What about you, Kate? Can you just paint the ceiling yellow i think you're absolutely right we don't know if you've got white walls or cream walls what i would say was whether it's or pink (laughs) walls whether it's dijon mustard yellow ceiling or any other bright color it cannot it's like a feature wall you can't just have it on your own you've got to introduce it to the rest of the room so by all means a yellow ceiling but perhaps do you need to do the woodwork the skirting boards or the door in the same mustard yellow so that you've pulled the room together? Or do you need to have the headboard in the same colour? The point is you just need a little bit of a plan, whatever the colour is, so that it's not just a fully decorated room and then you look up and go, wow, there's a yellow ceiling. You know, just make sure it introduces and plays with your other colours and the rest of the room. And the simplest way would be with woodwork or a headboard or possibly the bedding. And you can then take that principle through into any room or or coloured ceiling you want to do because you've then spoken in your other room about a dusky blue on the wardrobes. Should you do the walls coral or the same blue as the wardrobe? Well, the short answer is you can do either. You've done a headboard in some orangey material so that can match the walls or you can do the wardrobes the same colour as the wall and then they will disappear into the wall and that might, if it's a small room, make it look bigger because it will all be a sort of tonal fade out and not not be sort of different pops of colour which might make the room feel busier. Yeah, I think you're right. You've got to know the effect that your colour choices are going to have. Like a yellow ceiling is going to bring the ceiling down and closer to you. The same with the wardrobes. Blue is quite a recessive colour, so it's great at making spaces feel bigger. So if that was an issue, if it is a small room, pushing it out with blue wrapped all the way around the walls would help. If it's a massive vacuous room, then you might want to bring in some warmer tones that come towards the eye. But they better be beautiful wardrobes because if you're painting them in a pop of coral or a pottery clay colour, then you're, that's what you're going to notice in the room. That's going to really stand out against the dusky blue. So if they're not beautiful joinery wardrobe doors, I'd be tempted to, like Kate said, paint them in the blue, make them disappear. But actually having a piece of material as a kicking off point for your palette is a great start. And maybe you should apply the same theory to your other bedroom. Now, can we talk about the bathroom next? Oh, right. Yes. Come on, then. (laughs) (laughs) So the other dilemma was the bathroom, just to recap. Very plain, beautiful and tranquil, but looking to kind of style it up a little bit. You've created this lovely shelf, which you could lean art on, but it's how do you bring your sense of personality to the space? And again, Jennifer, I think you've got to do a little bit more digging. I love the fact that you said you don't want the black and white prints because everybody else has those. (laughs) That's so brilliant. And I think the great thing about having a um, a gallery wall shelf rather than hanging them on the wall is you can be really playful and you could sw- switch them about. I'd almost go raiding the house and find artwork that you've already got and just prop that up in there and see how that looks. You can overlap them. You can go to antique fairs. You can go to secondhand shops. You, can, you don't have to spend a lot on art. And I, indeed, I wouldn't in a bathroom either. I've got a really lovely painting, actually, 
uh, that I picked up from Arding Nye Antiques Market. And I think it cost me 50 quid for a massive painting. And I'm all right to put a 50 pound painting in the bathroom. I wouldn't want to put a 50,000. I would not that I got a 50,000 pound painting. <laughs> Are you but... hiding a secret Picasso there, darling? Is there something you should tell us? Oh, I wouldn't want to put my Renoir in the bathroom. I'll keep that in the dining room. So, yeah, that's one thing I would say. And I sometimes think framed poster prints, paper prints in a bathroom can be a bit of a problem sometimes if because obviously the air's moist so secondhand paintings that you can pick up for a song work well in bathrooms i'm putting my hand up now because i also want to say that that black and white with green plants is an absolute classic you will never go wrong with that and as sophie says you can add in a few art prints you can add more color actually just with your bath mat and your towels if they live in there you know that will bring you extra bits of color but i was going to say if you're worried if it's a small bathroom with no window or it gets very steamy then rather than posters and prints there's a sort of i hesitate to call it a trend because we're a bit anti-trend but there is a sudden resurgence in the idea of hanging plates on the wall. No, oh, I've done that in my bathroom. It's a really good idea in a bathroom because obviously they're not going to mind the steam. And you can just buy simple plate hangers, fix them on the wall, and that will give you the colour. You can move them around and they'll be totally resistant to steam. So that might be a really fun way of bringing, you know, personality and your own plate collection and you can just buy again vintage ones that cost nothing or people have sort of plates and prints don't they of their children's footprints or you know all that sort of thing I mean you you can create whatever you want but that's oh, that yeah. can work Jennifer, well in the bathroom get, get yourself down to your local paint paint your pottery shop excellent <laughs> Paint your own abstract Picasso-esque plates. Oh, I'm here for that. Send us a pic. Love that idea. Next up, we have an email from Annie. She says, I absolutely love your podcast. I mean, this is the perfect way to start a letter off to us, isn't it? Yes. You can see how this works. Flattery <laughs> gets you everywhere. She says, it's the perfect thing to listen to whilst I am redecorating my whole house after the builders wrecked it during our extension and loft conversion. That surely is the opposite Ooh. of what the builders meant to do. So she's got two questions. Firstly, I have moved my daughter out of the box room into a bigger room. This means I can have an office with a proper chair. No more backache for me. I am unsure what colour to go for. I really want it to be something I absolutely love and a place I will enjoy sitting in all day. I am a green-blue person and I only have a small budget. How do I go about deciding where to start? Now, a lot of my house is green, as you know, I've said, I love it. So I feel like something different might be good to differentiate the space as a work area. Any advice appreciated? So small box room converted to an office, love of greens and blues. What colour green? Kate W.S. Well, I think it's a really interesting question because, you know, she loves those colours, but also she makes the point, does she want to differentiate that space because it's a work area rather than the rest of the house, which might be loosely termed a play area? And I think that's a really interesting question. And particularly with green, and I use this example a lot because as with all colours, there are many, many shades. So I would think what you need to do, Annie, is, you know, look at a range of all the greens slash blues that you particularly like and take a moment. And I'm I'm confident that Sophie will agree with me here. This is laying myself open to, to an argument now. Look at those shades of blue and green you're drawn to and just take a moment to analyse how they make you feel. 
So that if you have a soft sage green, for example, and you look at that and you feel calm and relaxed, then perhaps you've already got that or could put that in your bedroom. And if you look at an emerald green and that makes you feel sort of creative and excited and ready to get going, then you can put that green in your office. So if you want to stay within your colour palette of greens and blues, it's a question of working out the mood you need in each room and finding the particular shade of green and blue that matches the mood you need. So the great news is that green and blue are both, in terms of colour psychology, great colours for a working environment. Blue is very good at helping us sort of focus and green is a really lovely calming colour. So I you really can't go wrong in small rooms and in working spaces I suppose one question is do you go dark or do you go light I quite like a mid-tone to dark color in an office it just helps me cut down on all the exterior noise and helps me focus so consider going quite deep and dark in the space and that might be enough to differentiate it from the rest of the home it's like your little your little nook your little library where you go in and work but I know for some people in order to work efficiently they want to maximize the sense of space in which case you may we might paint the walls a really pale color and punch your blue and greens in the accents like a really nice bright blue office chair for example or a green painted desk I'll leave that up to you so there's two ways to approach it but as Kate said it's how you feel it's very emotion led I think office you need to really know you know do you work better in a buzzy busy space or do you need something calm and relaxing in order to concentrate so take your feelings first and pick a color from that and now we have a question from Joanna I love your podcast and have listened to them all such fun to listen to with lots of ideas and inspiration whilst on my renovation journey My husband and I moved into his parents' house two years ago. We know the house well enough and it's a 1930s brick-built home in a village in Northamptonshire. There's a lot of work to do, but we're going to make some changes, including flipping the kitchen to an underused large dining room facing the garden. Sophie, that'll be familiar to you. Updating bathrooms and adding a boot room and utility room for all the stuff we seem to need as a family of four with small dog. The house has four bedrooms and we have two children, so we have one spare room. We have an ensuite from the master bedroom and there's a bathroom on the landing. Now, in the spare room, we have a 1980s style vanity sink in avocado acrylic with onyx taps set into a wall of built-in wardrobes. That's quite full on, isn't it? Having stayed in the room as a guest, I can say it's useful to be able to wash your face and brush your teeth in the comfort of your own bedroom. You still need to go along the landing for the loo and the shower, of course. The question is, is the vanity sink using valuable space? Do I update it or lose it? There's very little room for a chair in this room and I now wonder if I ripped out the fitted wardrobe whether I should ditch the sink completely or replace it with a more simple countertop version which would look better. I have to say I'm not a fan of the avocado and onyx. It's not a very big room and we are using the wardrobes for holiday clothes, wedding outfits and bedding but I could squeeze that into a freestanding wardrobe if I had to gain some floor space. Well... Basins in bedrooms, Sophie, where do you stand? It does feel really dated, doesn't it? I remember when we were house hunting for this place in 2016 and we were looking at quite a lot of old properties 
And it was really interesting looking at old houses that had basins in bedrooms because you just don't see that being done anymore. It must have been a real thing in the 70s and 80s, I'm guessing. And my feeling is if you need the space for wardrobes, um, as you say, holiday clothes, wedding outfits, bedding, I just get it gone. I can't see much of an argument to keep it. If you're going to rip it out anyway, to you know, you'd have to go to the expense of them replacing it. It's interesting, isn't it? I grew up because I lived for a long time with my grandmother and she had a house where you went up the stairs and to the left was the main bathroom and to the right were two more bedrooms and they were upstairs and downstairs. It was a sort of 16th century house. And at some point she had put in basins in all the bedrooms. And I think that was perhaps because it was so higgledy-piggledy and up and down. So, And I always quite liked the idea. You know, as I say, I grew up with a basin in my bedroom and I quite liked it. But as you point out, you've still got to leave the bedroom to go to the loo or have a shower. So really, are you gaining much by just being able to clean your teeth? And I think if you need the storage space, then perhaps I would get rid of it. Particularly, let's come back to the to the old avocado and onyx. I mean, that's, that's a combination. If it was a sort of period appropriate basin or just a simple Edwardian one in an Edwardian house, perhaps you might keep it. But given that you really dislike it anyway and you want the space, I'd be tempted to say, rip it out. Mm. I think space is tight. I think if it was a really large bedroom, then it just might be, yes, a nice thing to have for the occasional guest. I'm quite intrigued, though, with the whole basin in bedrooms. I'd love to hear about from our listeners on this. Is this a British thing? Is this I mean, are you seeing this in Italy, Kate? Is this a European thing? Do you have uh, basins in bedrooms in America? It is, isn't it? It's quite an interesting phenomena, isn't it? The lonely basin on its own in a bedroom. I suppose maybe if you were going to use it to put your make, wash your face and put your makeup on, then you could wash your hands or you could clean your teeth if there, if you lived in a, how to put this, a very busy house where there was a sort of bedtime log jam for cleaning your teeth. Um, as I say, I'm not, I'm absolutely not against it in principle if it's a basin you love. If you're ripping it out anyway and replacing, I think I might go for storage in this instant. And is there anybody putting in basins in bedrooms? Yes. I'd like to know that as well. Is that a thing? If any if any of you are renovating, going, actually, I'm going to start putting basins in my be- in my bedrooms. I want to hear from you. Let's get on the Facebook, get onto the Facebook group with this and we'll get some chat going with that. And also just one point before we move on. There was a real fashion in the early 2000s, perhaps it was earlier, for putting baths in bedrooms. But there was no basin there. But there was no basin there and there was no loo. So you were having a bath in your bedroom. So is this just a smaller version of that? And as you say, people were putting baths in. It now looks a bit dated, but they're not putting basins in. One to ponder. Let's move on. One to ponder. Oh, Joanna, this is throwing up all kinds of, uh, of questions. I hope that was helpful, Joanna. And let's hear from you all. Now it's time to help Sarah from Liverpool, as she signs herself. We live in a... I was quite tempted to do the accent, but I can't, so I won't. It was just Sarah from (laughs) Liverpool. We live in a 1930s semi with original Colombian pine parquet flooring, quite orangey slash warm toned throughout the hallway and two reception rooms. We're redoing the kitchen this year with an extension which will include a dining and living area. I originally wanted engineered wood or similar on the floor, but I'm now worried that unless I can get an exact colour match or use reclaimed parquet, it's going to lose the sense of flow or look disjointed to go from one wood to another. 
I also wanted a parquet effect as the kitchen part of the room is long and thin and I wanted to take the eye widthways. I would love to stay in the original parquet and have more of a cooler toned floor, but that doesn't fit in with the budget. What do you suggest? A warm toned wood that goes with the parquet or something that totally contrasts? I'm not sure about using tiles in such a big space as it's 36 and a half square metres in a sort of L shape. I would love to hear your thoughts. I like modern Scandi style, fairly minimal with pops of colour if that helps. Well, what do we think? To contrast or to try and match and tone? My feeling is your engineer, your new engineered wood floor in the colour that you want, which is going to be quite a cool wood, is not going to be a happy marriage with your Colombian pine parquet. And it's going to make your pine parquet probably look even more orangey and going to make you love it less. So I'm afraid my inclination would be to steer away from wood floor finish altogether and go for something really different like tiles, like, you know, a limestone floor or a slate floor or whatever colour you want. And I'm guessing that's not really what you wanted to hear. But I think um, to contrast it, unless you contrasted it with something so different like a really dark dark walnut or something that still had a very warm tone in the background it's um it's not going to work I think it's really hard to do those two different sorts of wood in a place that that runs on because just having a threshold across them isn't going to work so you know you say you're not sure about tiles in such a big space I mean there's tiles and tiles you know as Sophie says big limestone tiles can be quite warm I've got reclaimed terracotta in my kitchen which is not that as big as yours but it's a warm kind of natural feeling that would go well with the wood so I mean I think if you're talking about having acres of sort of big grey slabs which as you know I'm always going to say is going to look like the pavement then no but I think you could look for terracotta for limestone for natural colours quite big tiles and I think that would work really well because I, I agree with Sophie I think you're going to struggle with wood Sorry about that. Yeah, and a really big format tile would go with your Scandi style interior, I feel. And then it's less about the floor and more about the kitchen and the styling and the colours. You said you like adding pops of colour. Then do do that, and the and the and the floor is really just the the blank canvas of a backdrop. And also, depending on what you've got in the in the various L shapes, you know, if you feel the tiles are too much, you can put a rug in, you know, a rug under the table or a runner or you know something to just break up all the tiles and perhaps you know bring a bit of softness to the space. So yeah, nice idea. There we go. And that's all we've got time for this week. However, there is an extra question that's been sent in by one of our insiders. So if you are a member. To this podcast don't take your earpods out yet sit tight we've got more juicy content coming for you now now before we go may i just remind you once more about the aforementioned great indoors insiders club where your style dilemmas will get priority treatment and you can also read our weekly newsletter with the design tips great buys and links to anything mentioned in the show just simply visit the greatindoorspodcast.com to sign up And we'll be back next week, so don't forget to tune in for that. All that remains now is to thank our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And you lovely lot for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Oh, and it's bye-bye from Lucy. (laughs) 